I would like to make a disclaimer before the show begins, and is that this show contains both subjects and topic of adult nature, you know, like compassion and equality and diversity and yes, a fair amount of social and political talk as well as spoilers about the show. So please, please, please do listen and watch at your discretion. Thank you very much indeed for being there. Okay, so this is Sean Harris and I'm here with uh, Paco Garcia and we will be continuing our conversation about Lovecraft Country, especially now that Paco has completed the entire season. I I have. It took me a while because I have to be very honest, okay? I don't know if it is because the last episode came to Spain one week after it was released in the US or because I am completely useless and I cannot get to the episode list of any series in HBO. I, I, I just don't know how to do that. I, I don't know. I can do it in Netflix. I can do it in Amazon. But whenever I try to get to, this is how many episodes this series has in HBO. It's like, well, why are you hiding this from me? It's ridiculous. So maybe it's my fault. I don't know. But I've watched it. I, I have watched it. And I have very, very mixed feelings about it. Okay, so let's dig into some of those mixed feelings. Um, so... Overall, what did or okay? Overall, what did you think of the final episode and of the series as a whole? Okay, series as a whole, loved it. Final episode. Listen, producers, if I wanted to watch a just run down the mill Hollywood blockbuster series finale, I would have watched Buffy again, or Game of Thrones again, or pretty much any other series again. But why, oh why, oh why did you have to absolutely, completely and utterly dismantle everything that you have been working so hard to do to give me a Hollywood run down the mill finale? Mm. That's kind of my feeling about it, too. <laughs> um, it was like they were doing such all this careful character work and these really complicated relationships. And it was like, you know, all these layers and stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, really, it's just y'all killing the bad guy. That's it. <laughs> that, that, I, oh, OK, I guess that's a thing. <laughs> it was too much. Oh, oh, oh where's it going? No, we, we, we have to have we have to fight the big balls. Yeah. Oh, 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 how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? Oh, oh, wait a second. I just get the feeling, to, I'm going to be very honest in here, I just get the feeling that the producers didn't have a clue about how to do a proper blockbuster series. They know how to do the deep stuff. They know how to do the complex relationships. They know how to do the representation. They know how to do the history. But they had no idea as to how to make a normal, you know, mediocre series. But mm -hmm. when they do something, you know, when they turn it into something mediocre, it's like, why? Excuse me? I mean, did, did, did the intern design, design this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, we're tired. We're going to hand this over to the interns. <laughs> yeah. But, well, why? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, it's not quite Game of Thrones all over again, but it's because it's like, we didn't invest 10 years into this. <laughs> but like, <laughs> It's like all of a sudden it's like, you know, you set this thing up where like you have this world where all this weirdness is happening and like, but you're doing it in the context of these really complicated, messy people and their relationships and their lives. And it's like, 
then like at the end it's just this like you said this hollywood blockbuster thing and i'm like what huh it, 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 it just went completely sh- it's like almost written for a completely different series almost it's like what it doesn't fit it doesn't fit it, well, the thing is that it was, it started very good. You know, it started very good when they're still back in time and they have to come back with a book of names. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that as soon as they stepped through that portal, it felt like a completely different team of writers had taken over. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just was like watching a car crash in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Mad props to the actors, because because I'm like, because I know you have to like smile and say that this turd is made of gold sometimes. But I mean, gee, I'm like, why why would you do that to your poor actors? I speak as a playwright. Why would you do that to your actors? I mean. You're supposed to make them look good. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was it was it was bad. It was so bad. It was so. It's, yeah, it's an actual bad episode. It's not one of those episodes where it's like, well, your mileage may vary, because I've seen some people say like, well, I couldn't watch after episode blah blah blah, and it's like, okay, I can see that, but like, you can't argue that the episode was badly written. Hmm. This one was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> this was bad TV. <laughs> and I'm just like. What is going on here? And I'm like, okay. I mean, there were parts of it I, I liked, <laughs> namely the, the Christina and Ruby parts. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have my whole podcast, and we can talk about that after. after yeah. Talk about I, this. But, like, um, it's like, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm it, it actually, and I'm, I consider myself an astute viewer. Like, I really try to understand what something I'm watching is trying to do on its own terms rather than being like, okay, have this thing in my head that says what a show should do. And then when it doesn't do that, I get mad. <laughs> or especially or an adaptation where it's like, okay, this is what the adaptation should do. And when it doesn't do that, I get mad. But like, um, I was like, wow, it's like, what went wrong I, I, I'm still scratching my head what went wrong because like they did Watchmen and that was just chef's kiss beautiful I mean it started pitch perfect ended pitch perfect and it's like what happened what happened <laughs> so it's not like there's a lack of talent or a lack of you know resources it's something Stuff got mixed up in that kitchen somewhere. I don't know what what happened. Uh, I, I don't know. The thing is, being a short series, mm-hmm. I don't think whatever happened happened um, before the series was aired. You know, I think the series was completely finished, so they couldn't really reshoot to respond to viewer criticism. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think that could possibly be the case. So I, I really have basically no idea as to why in the last episode it changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get it. As you said, in fact, changing it 
probably increased the um, budget they needed. Mm-hmm. Because up until then, you know, special effects were there, but other mm-hmm. than the Shoggoth, they didn't really have an awful lot of 3D special effects going on all over the place. Right. Yeah, yeah, they did. Okay, except the Shoggoth and um, Gia's tails. That was... That was rough. pretty much... Yeah, that was roughly it. You know, there were some bits and pieces here and there, but everything was pretty much makeup and light. And, and clothes, the, and the costumes, <laughs> and the costumes. Yes, and the costumes, well, yes, absolutely. But, you know, it wasn't anything like that, but somehow they decided that they wanted to have this ginormous fight that was going to be dealt with very poorly, you know, because of this, the epiphany. is it was, Oh, my God, I could, I could go on for this for ages. So many bad resources, you know, the epiphany. Suddenly, yeah, it has an epiphany. Oh, so this is what I'm meant to be doing with my life. This <laughs> is what killing 99 men and becoming this poor, depressed, miserable, relationshipless, uh, you know, remorseful woman has uh, been for. Uh. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, and that it's, character deserved better. Yeah, and it's like, all right, I'm gonna get roasted by Black Twitter if I say this, <laughs> but okay. So the end resolution. So the, and it left more questions than answers, and not in a good way. Like, <laughs> like at the end of Watchmen that had more questions than answers, but in a good way, where it's like, where it's like, so what happens after this? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like. Does she walk on that water or what? <laughs> Is God a black woman now or what? <laughs> and then you talk about the ramifications of that and all this other stuff. Versus in this situation where you're not even sure, where your questions are really about what the hell is going on. I'm like, look, I don't need to understand everything, like the layers of everything, but I need to know like basic plot shit. <laughs> I, I, I should be able to gather from my viewing of this show why the events happen. Unless this is like this, some really avant-garde kind of thing, which this show is clearly not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so like, if it's really avant-garde and like plot, what plot, uh, screw conventional narrative stuff. <laughs> and I like that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's like, no, but this is clearly, this was clearly a narrative building up to something and this doesn't seem like it was where it's supposed to go. And I still have more questions than answers. Like, okay, Magic, no more white people with magic. Okay, so how are we defining white people? Because race isn't because race isn't about biology. There's no white gene. <laughs> There's no white DNA. So uh so you say everyone of European descent, so uh a fair amount of black folks could be included in that too, by the way. So <clears throat> Not even a fair amount, pretty much every black person on the Western Hemisphere. So, so I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm scratching my head, like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, is this supposed to be triumphant? What, what's going on here? Um, now, be diff- now, then it's sort of like, okay, now Christina is the big bad, but like, dude, Lancaster was hacking up black people for spare body parts. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go for, 
if you want me to believe that, you got to show me something. You can't just be, she is a white woman and therefore literally the devil and is categorically evil. I, do y'all realize what's, listeners, do y'all understand what's wrong with that mindset? I mean, haven't we talked about what happens when you assign moral worth to people based on how they're born? <laughs> Anyways, it, it's just... uh, But the thing is, you know about Christina, I'm sorry. She was not the villain Mm-mm. because she didn't want to hurt anybody but the people she needed to hurt to obtain her goals. She didn't have a, oh, I want to wake up Cthulhu to actually fuck up the whole planet. Or <laughs> I just want to I just want to get rid of anybody with a skin color that's not like mine. You know, she was like, I, I just want to be mortal. And if I have to get, you know, through any number of people to get there, I'm just going to do it because I want to be mortal. So how how is that being the villain? She, I'm, I'm not me wrong. I mean, she was vicious. She was selfish. She was driven. She was amoral. She was immoral, but evil. I I don't see her being evil. She was just she didn't give a shit about anybody else other than herself and Ruby. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love her. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's like okay, you're like she's like um. I and I explained this to some of my friends who watch the show. It's like she's a trickster figure. You know, she goes around changing her shape, you know, you know, wheeling and dealing with people, like manipulating people and screwing with their perceptions a little bit. But like, it's like, who does she remind me of? All those trickster figures. She's like Loki or yeah. or Hermes or um, Papa Legba or, um, or even let's go to cartoons. You talk about Wile E. Coyote, who always has this thing <laughs> chasing the Roadrunner, you know, like the Roadrunner yeah. is immortality and Christina is Wile E. Coyote. Correct. And so it's like, okay, it's always some kind of harebrained scheme for this really big, almost impossible achievement. But it's like, she's not, she's not out to get anybody. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're talking, if we're talking about like the 50s, you know what that's on the tail end of? That's on the tail end of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. We've seen evil. You know what I'm saying? We we see how evil people can be at that point. I'm like, I'm saying she ain't no Hitler. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, ain't no Hitler. absolutely not. Ain't no Stalin, okay? She's not throwing people in a gulag or nothing, anything like that. And it's like, it tech, then it's sort of like, then when you talk about the Korean War and the things Tick got up to in Korea, the, you know, the murder of the civilians and the torture and all that, um, it's kind of hard to justify seeing her as the big bad. I now, I love the idea of her as being like a sometimes enemy, sometimes ally kind of figure where it's like, you know, it's ambiguous which side she'll fall on in any given moment because it's just she's such a wild card and, and that's where she's best. But like her as a flat out big bad evil person, I don't, I didn't see it. They didn't set it up right. I mean, especially compared to like like I was talking about like Lancaster, who's like, you know, accosting little girls and spitting on them and cursing them, you know, and then like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you have this white police officer assaulting a black child in a mm. dark alleyway. You know. There, there, there was, there were, look, there were so many opportunities to actually make a proper villain, you know, somebody that everybody could be behind hating. Lancaster. 
<laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. But even in the last episode, they could have done that so easily when they brought, I don't remember the name of the character. But oh, the, Titus? The, 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 yeah, the member founder of the Order. Yeah, Titus Braithwaite. Correct. You know, they could have just brought that guy in who could have been an absolutely fantastic villain to run away with whatever it is they had to run away. And then we need to, you know, we need to join forces to actually get rid of him for a second season. You know, that would have been a easy Hollywood-esque way out that would allow an awful lot of questions to be asked that would have allowed to you know show how fragile magic is that would have allowed for christina to continue being there for ruby to continue being there for all those things to continue being developed and this guy to become the proper buddy mm -hmm. that would have been one thing and, and and this is not even an original thing that would have been you know a predictable thing but hey as predictable things go it would have been a lot more sense mm -hmm than the way that they dealt with the whole thing. So yeah. um, they, had their, they had their chances and they blew it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because just from like, within the fiction, within the established fiction itself, it's like, y'all pretty much said that magic is really hard. <laughs> that one tiny detail going wrong can just, <laughs> you know, yeah. turn a whole situation to shit. And if you're summoning the ghost of a powerful sorcerer who's also a racist colonizer, slave owner, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot that could go wrong there, especially since people are new at being magic and not as experienced as Christina is, for instance. And it's that's, like, a, <laughs> that's the thing. It went wrong. He was more powerful than, than they were. He escaped. Mm -hmm. He managed to say, oh, wait a second, I'm here. Oh, come on, you amateurs. I'm out. And he was gone. But no, 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 don't worry about it. We are just going to resurrect another two people because doing one person wasn't hard enough. You know, we need to do another two people so it can be four of us capturing this guy so we can take a little bit of skin out of him. No, thank you. What was that all about? No, it's like, I'm just like, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's like, and I get it, listeners, I get it, you know, you hear a lot of people say that white feminism, you know, is a lot more insidious and, and that it's like, in some ways, more dangerous than the overt kind of white supremacy, but sometimes the overt white supremacist is right there trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not thinking about white women when that when that happens. It's like the, the Unite the Right rally. I wasn't thinking about, mm -hmm, you know, there goes those women and their pussy hats. I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about like, um, it's like I'm thinking about, okay, uh, what kind of violence is going to break out as a result of this? Because these people love, can't wait for an excuse to hurt somebody. And it happened. <laughs> like I predicted. But, um, but like, I'm just like, I don't know what was going on like thematically with all that or, or like, and, and it's so garbled and it's so messy and not in a good way. And then it's like, and all the justifications for it, of course, they were subverting expectations. And then I, I remember a post I saw on Tumblr was like, you know what? Enough with subverting expectations. Just give me a story with some emotional payoff. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. that's the real subversion there. It's like, you're, you know, it's like, I feel like sometimes TV writers and TV producers are so enamored with being clever that they forget to tell a good story. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they forget to be true to these characters. And I'm like, and of course, there's nobody in the room to tell them, nah, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Like, no, yeah. but they, but they weren't really clever. I mean, come oh. on, they they fixed the whole family issue and the whole family dynamics with one song, <laughs> and they fixed the, you know, <coughs> redemptious character with an off-screen murder. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <clears throat> it's so messy. It's like. Those, like, for instance, that relationship between Tick and Montrose needed seasons worth to resolve itself in a satisfying way. Like, Look, I, I, okay, I, I need to chip into this one. I'm sorry. As somebody who has a really uh, messy relationship with, with his father, a relationship like the one that Tick and Montrose has doesn't get resolved mm-hmm. ever. It becomes tolerable. Mm-hmm. That, that is it. So don't tell me that you're just going to end up with your father and the rest of your family singing "Life Would Be a Dream" and that's it. Done. Sorry, Dad. Yeah, and I love you now. No, come on. What the fuck yeah. is that? No. Yeah, I, I love Montrose as a character. He's complicated. He's human and a mess, and he's got like these ugly parts that are also kind of beautiful. Well, I'm not letting him raise my child. No. <laughs> I mean, like, and this is the, this is before like. Therapy became destigmatized, okay, people? This is the 50s where it's like, this man has yet to stop drinking. <laughs> he was drinking all the way up to the end of the episode. <laughs> like, he's still got anger issues. He's still drunk. And, and we understand it comes from trauma, but it's like he hasn't really resolved that stuff. And it's like, and just story-wise, and it's like, and then the stuff with ticking all that, and I'm like, um... So we're just going to hand the grandbaby over to him to do what? It's just like, what do you think he's going to do with that grandchild? Oh, no, but he sang a song. Oh. They had nothing else to do. (laughs) It was just a bunch of black folks in a car, and it was really hot. (laughs) So it's like, I'm just... And then there's like... um. Letty, uh, it's like I love Letty in the beginning, but somehow she became a tick bot. I don't know what happened to her. Same thing with Gia. It's like these amazing female characters. It, not asking about the, um, yeah, I was asking about the um representation too. Like, like ways that the show took some steps forward and ways that the show took some steps back mm-hmm. <laughs> in representation. Um, and I'm gonna start with the women, and it's like. <sighs> At first, it seemed like they were doing so good with the women. They made them complicated. They gave them lives outside of male characters. They gave them, you know, interiority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not just the prize or, um, you know, or the evil seductress or whatever. And it's like, okay. Um, but then by the end, it's like, no, we're going back to that simplistic shit, you know, Back to the virgin whore dichotomy, back to the you know woman's work depending on 
how well she helps or serves the interest of a man and all that, or, or a woman's entire character revolving around a man. And I'm like, I get the tickets for protagonist and all, but like, come on. <laughs> come on. Now, the thing that they handled that very badly as well, because in theory, she's the only one who can read the book of names. Yeah. And, and and yet her relevance is completely, completely superior to that of Tick. Completely. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, what can he do other than being a man? <laughs> see, see that, that, is, that was brought up in the second episode. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> I could never earn one of these rings, but you get one just for being a man. <laughs> like, so, yeah, not even the white one at that. It was like, look, see, back when Tick had some brain cells. But like, and I'm like, okay. And, and it just like, so all these women, like these amazing three-dimensional women whose uh, their entire their entire character arc started revolving around Tick. And and like I'm like, okay, um, it's getting kind of boring and a little irritating. You know, Gia is in Korea and he's calling her all the time. And she flew from Korea all the way to the United States just to help his ass. And at first, I'd be like, girl, get over him. He's, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> but, no. <laughs> like, girl, get over him. Find yourself a nice, a nice person who's really nice and won't torture your friends or, or kill your um, co-workers. But, um, but it's just, I'm like, what? Because Gia was a fascinating character, too. It's like she's not, as you know, like, yeah, she's a Kumiho, but she's you know, but she's also an Asian woman, and that, you know, and then the whole dialogue about between like, you know, inter, you know, people of color being shitty to people of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and that that was a whole dialogue that could have been happening, but no, 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 no. <laughs> she, she, no, she just had to be there to serve the cause, the conduit, to save the day because you know, ah. Uh, that's what my life has come to. Now I understand to the very last second. Uh, uh. And it's like, it was frustrating because it's like, all right, I'm going to say this. I'm going to air this dirty laundry. I'm going to tell this big bad secret that, that only you, dear listener, is privy to. One of my major frustrations with a lot of black media that makes it to the mainstream is the idolization of the cishet black male mm-hmm. at the expense of literally everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, this is not just looking at the particular ways that blackness and manhood and, you know, and all the other things that are tangled up in that you know, lead to a particular experience. And I'm not angry about that. I'm not irritated by that. It's everything is about the cishet black man, like way up top. And then, you know, you you skip down about 50 paces. And then you might get a little something about the cishet black woman. You might get a little, and then below that, you have a little bit of something about queer black people. And then way below that, you have trans people of color. (laughs) You know, trans people, you know, trans intersex and non-binary people of color and i'm sorry i'm sick of it 
you know, because, you know, for all the stuff people talk about, you know, intersectionality, intersectional this and intersectional that, and, you know, intersectional feminism and blah, 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 blah. The people living in those intersections are constantly ignored. Mm. And I wouldn't mind it so much if I didn't see the real world results of that. You know, because, for instance, the hashtag say her name. That was started by Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term intersectionality, by the way. And you need to read her paper to really see what she meant when she did that. Um, Did that as a way to draw attention to a group of people falling through the cracks of media attention, national and media attention, when it comes to like police brutality, because they make it look like it's only black men it's happening to, and it's not. I mean, the show itself says it, which is why I was like, so like rah, 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 episode four, despite the bullshit at the end. It's like, you know, when Letty like gets fed up with Tick's, you know, self-centeredness, it's like, look, we, you know, Montrose, who's a gay black man, was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Letty, a black woman, died. And she's like, will you please stop acting like it's only happening to you? And that's that, that's my frustration with it, with the show and with, you know, mainstream black media in general. It's it acts as though it's only happening to the cishet black man. And it's not. And so in order to lionize Tick, in order to make Tick look like a hero. Everybody else has to get shit on. And there's people who are already been shitting on for like for so long, like. You're shitting on queer black people. And there's like, yeah, Montrose is an asshole. We get it. But <clears throat> he was a complicated asshole. Mm-hmm. Ruby, oh my God, she got shit on. And then Yahima got shit on. Sammy, who's the femme, light-skinned femme guy that, well, Montrose's boyfriend, got mm-hmm. shit on. You know, and it's like, and the show does, never interrogates any of that. Like, Okay, so you have Tick calling his father. A, uh, are we allowed to say the slur? Uh, yeah, it's okay. your podcast, absolutely. Okay, you have Tick beating the shit out of Montrose and calling him a faggot. And and I get it, portrayal is not endorsement, but then you're going to tell me that this guy is a hero at the end. He doesn't even apologize for doing that. <laughs> and like... And then you have like Ruby, like, oh my God, Ruby got so much hate from the audience. Like who people who clearly have not been paying attention saying she wants to be white. And so that's why she did this with Christine and all this stuff. And it's like, look, look, no. I can tell you from personal experience that is a queer woman realizing that she's queer. And you know, feeling some kind of way about it. There is so much of that that could have been explored. But and it's like, oh my God, queer women, I'm we got such a raw deal. Um, and then you have Christina, too. It's like, oh, she's just white feminist bitching this up, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, okay, but it's clearly, she's clearly into women. And then you have that again, where you're like, okay, you're villainizing the, the okay, the villain is gay again, woo. So it's like, um, it's like two steps forward, one step back a lot of times, where it's like, okay, you do it, okay, finally we have a show, a genre show, about black human beings, you know, not just, you know, noble self-sacrificing black people, but like messy black people, black people that are 
best and our worst and everything in between. Per great. But then there are these other things where it's like, okay, but the stuff with the women and the stuff with the LGBT people and all this and how we treat people who are not cishet black men leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. It, it, it did a, bit, a lot. I mean, I am amazed that uh, Ruby Gold and his like, you know, like she wants to be white. No, no, no. I always saw that as a metaphor for how somebody becomes actually comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. Quite, quite, I mean, it was quite literally that journey of, mm-hmm. of her pretending to be somebody else because it makes her life easy. Not because she wants to be that person, but because it makes her life easy and then realizing that, you know, she just wants to be comfortable with herself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's basically it in a very complicated, magical kind of blood messy mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But that was it. So how, how, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that all the, all the hate that Rubik's got comes from cis straight people. I'm going to venture that. I, I don't know. Cause I think a few people, a few queer black folks are kind of hating on her too. Um, I think mainly the the Christina thing Um, because like well and and we talked about this last time where it's like I'm sorry the person who's right for you is not going to come on this checklist (laughs) that's not how life happens it's damn sure not how TV works (laughs) like who's the most messed up person we could put in a relationship that's that's pretty much television but like um I think it's the relationship with Christina. And I think part of that is, um, like I mentioned before on the podcast or something, it's like it's a failure of imagination on either the creators or the audience's part, where it's like they see. And I think part of it is because sometimes this show treats characters like symbols and not like people. Mm -hmm. And so what you're seeing between Ruby and Christina is not Ruby and Christina these people who have these experiences. But Ruby, the symbolic black woman, and Christina, the symbolic white woman mm-hmm. in this relationship. You know, and, and you'd have to, and it's sort of like, um, no. <laughs> it's just, this is not the show. This show is not that abstract. I mean, um, the, the show did too much character work to have that abstract a, re- a reading of them. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, and so what they do is, so, and I'm saying, and then this is just me trying to wrap my head around it so I don't like flip out at somebody at the wrong time. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's sort of like, okay, so when you're looking at people as symbols rather than as people, you ignore a lot of the the human parts. So you don't see the ways that being involved with Christina is actually good for Ruby. Or how being involved with Ruby is starting to change Christina. Um, and I say this, yes, I ship it, but but that's not why I'm saying this. Because before meeting Christina, you know, she wasn't really, her whole shtick was, Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for Letty, do this for Letty, do this for Letty, take care of Letty, because that's all she does and puts herself second and doesn't 
step out for herself as much as she should, despite how educated she is, despite how intelligent she is, despite how capable she is, despite how hardworking she is, and has it, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, okay, and then this one person says, you know, I'm doing this for you. And you're like, I'm putting you first. <laughs> you know, and I'm not the oldest child. I'm not the oldest child. I'm certainly not the oldest girl. So I don't know that experience, but I've seen what it's like when my friends who are the oldest child or my friends who are the oldest girl and like a parent goes AWOL because all those caretaking duties fall onto them mm. and they become the, the de facto parent of their own sibling yep. at an age when they need parenting themselves. So, so it's like, so you have this character who's been so reliable and dependable and the per the shoulder they always lean on and the person they always come to when they need help, when they need money, whatever, even though Ruby herself doesn't have much. And, you know, and then you have somebody saying, you know, do this for you. Do some things for you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like, oh, maybe I should do that. Because <laughs> like, when you get... And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, and I liked Letty at first, but look, she did burn her bridges with her family before the show even started. <laughs> she was, you know, her family were was almost done with it. So, you know, so then you have somebody come along in your life. It's like, this person has no reason to care about me whatsoever. And they're telling me this thing. It's like, yeah, just not just apply for that job, but like, you know, you deserve the world. You deserve better than what you've gotten. And I'm in a position to give it to you. Uh, it's, uh, sign me up, sign me up. And then it's the same thing with Christina, where like that really powerful conversation they had about Emmett Till in episode mm-hmm. eight, where she says, mm, I don't care about Emmett Till. <laughs> this flat out admits it. She doesn't give a fuck. And like, um, and that's such an unexpected answer because those of us who've had these conversations, especially online, you know, they, they say, how dare you imply that I don't care? How dare you insinuate that, that, that this matter is not near and dear to my heart? But and Christina does the thing we, that white people almost never do, and they tell, she told the truth. I don't really care. I don't care. And I think people are mad about that. <laughs> But honestly, it was like, you know what? I can work with honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing, like a lot of, it's like a lot of black folks say, yeah, it's easier to deal with the honest bigots than it is with these so-called allies (laughs) who are so draining because if you don't give them cookies every five minutes, they say, well, you made me a Trump voter. But I mean, (laughs) so it's like, um, but like, her honest indifference. It's like, it was refreshing. But then, okay, she says she's indifferent, but then she does that thing at near the end of the episode where like she reenacts Emmett Till's death. They say, well, she's just testing the mark of Cain or whatever. It doesn't matter why she did it. It's that she did it. Mm. You know, it's like there are a million ways you can test out a spell to see if you'll survive if somebody tries to kill you. <laughs> like, that's a particularly gruesome way to go about it 
And it's like, if she understands that she doesn't understand, yet she, in her weird, raised in a racist wizard cult way, is trying. And, and then, like, the finale happened. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. And it's like, then Titus shows up, like, you want to talk about the king of the racist shows up in the middle of the street. <laughs> just like, and I'm like, hold on. And it was like, it was going in this really interesting direction because it's like, come on. We, like, listen, we love a good redemption arc, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> so, like, somebody going from raised in a liter- ra- raised in a cult of literal racist wizards to something of a white ally. It, it, that's a that's an interesting arc. Mm-hmm. It's just like um, Ruby's arc from like being that you know that plus size dark skinned white not white why am I plus size dark skinned black woman everybody can rely on everybody can lean on everybody can depend on you know that that mule of the world everybody just throwing stuff mm-hmm. at. As why they, you know, trip over themselves trying to get to the Lettys of the world, trip over themselves trying to get to the Gia's of the world, who's ignored both as a, you know, as a woman and as a person, if you get my drift. Mm-hmm. You know, like, both romantically and, like, you know, she's a workhorse of a person. They, they treat her like a workhorse. And not like a woman with a variety of, you know, personal needs and aspirations and all that. So, <clears throat> you know, going from a person who, who uh, believes the respectability politics hype and discovers that it, it actually doesn't work. Because she learned that really quick at her job, where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how hard we work or how qualified we are. You know, <laughs> it's like, They've already made their minds up about us. So, well, I do have this thing where I could at least um, do this thing where when I see something wrong, I can do something about it and, and get away with it. Mm. Get away with murder. <laughs> That's the other one. Where it's like, okay, she did that thing to that manager, and I'm not going to go into detail about it. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and then it's like one of the questions I asked that I never got an answer to, but I'm like, I wonder how many people that manager has done what he's done to. You know, because he, you know, tried to assault his own employee. <laughs> and when it didn't work, he screamed, uh, you know, he called her a cover your ears here, people. Yes. Uh, called her, screamed nigger bitch at her. Um, and then, you know, like, they put back on that respectable employer suit again. And, um, and then Ruby, for as grisly as her vengeance against him was, she's one of the only people who did something about it. She's the only person in a position to do something about it. I mean, I'd have loved to have seen that transformation, too, where, like, she, she's, like, no longer this, you know, solid, not, no longer quite so solid and reliable, no longer quite so safe to be around, you know? Like, just like we saw Hippolyta have her thing where she's, like, talking about how she's been shrinking her whole life. And then she like finally pushes back back against that and expands herself and like embraces all facets of herself and becomes like this 
<laughs> when she comes back to Earth, she's this force of nature, and it's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's like, look, I ain't shrinking myself no more. It's like, look, I know what to do. <laughs> We're going to do this. You can come on or get out of my way. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and it's the same thing I kind of wanted for Ruby, where she stops shrinking herself, too. And the things she expands into might not all be all pretty or neat or nice, but like, um, but but definitely interesting and powerful. You know, I, I could see her being something of an anti-hero or even teetering on the edge of villainy, where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna use the, this knowledge, this this magical knowledge that I'm gaining access to in order to like. She she said it. She wants to create her own space. And also, you know, get revenge on white men. I love that. <laughs> I love that for her. And Christina was going to help because she killed more white people, more white men than anybody else on the show. So, yeah. Um, I think that's what was going on with that. And, ugh. It, it, it's like, it's frustrating because it's like, I wish I could just flush this show down the toilet, but I can't because there's so much about it that it does right. And then, the things it does wrong are so blatant and so glaring, and it's like, damn it. I'm, I'm going to venture and say something that uh, it's, it's going to be absolutely horrible, but it's, um, it's very likely, you know, to have a kernel of truth in it. I bet those bad things that, you know, the bad written stuff, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they had been written by the white folk, um, you know, by, by, by the white people involved in the production of the whole thing, um, because it it just doesn't make any sense, any sense at all that those things happen. It just, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, it feels like Josh Whedon took over it at some point. And, you know. <laughs> I laugh, but it's not funny. No, but you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that he would do. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just disappointing. I, I felt, I felt those bits were, were, we're disappointed. I I hope there is going to be a second season. Um, even though I have no idea where they're going to go with it, because I think the the question that you posed about you know who who, who are the white folk who cannot do magic anymore, mm-hmm. you know who are who are going to be them and uh, what's going to happen now? I mean, is it going to are they going to be fighting? a bunch of white folk who want to get magic back, you know, because I'm sure that there's going to be some magical orders around the world who are going to be thinking, wait a minute, what have you done to us? Mm-hmm. Give me back, give me back, give me back, give me back. What are they going to do with it? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, are, they going to, are they going to turn, you know, Letty and the family into something bad? Are they going to bring back, you know, Ruby with, oh, no, no, Christina didn't really kill her. She just used to, to, you know, to change a little bit of time so she could get what she needed out of Tilly and and throw her off the window. No, no, but she's not really dead. Are are they going to go into that cliche? What are they going to do with it? What's going to happen? Oh, my God. Oh, can we talk? Oh, can we talk about the, you know, the, the cyber arm? The what? The cyber arm, oh, the mechanical arm that they yeah. have. Oh, the robot arm. Oh, the, oh, why? Why did they do that? I don't know. 
why did they do that? It's great. Suddenly, this child is going to go out in the street saying hi with this mechanical arm to everybody she sees in the street. Hi, hi my name is D, and I choked a white woman with this arm. <laughs> Uh, she did. <laughs> she did. Oh, man. Uh, that that aspect of it really pissed me off. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I guess you know, any kind of lie would work. It's like, how'd you get that arm? You know, wouldn't believe it. No, oh, this is a new kind of prosthetic they're working on at NASA. <laughs> Something. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And the thing is, I'm, I'm going to say something else. Actually, I didn't see the point in killing Christina. Why? You know, they should have just left her there. <laughs> Look, all her bones are already broken anyway. I mean, she don't weigh but a buckle five. <laughs> you saw her; she couldn't get out of there. She's she had no magic, and she was totally helpless. And it's like, well, and I know people have their little excuses or whatever, but. It, so every time they explain it, it all boils down to white people are inherently evil and you can't trust them. And I'm like, look, that's how white supremacy thinks. Mm -hmm. That's the mentality white supremacists have, that your identity makes you good or bad. No. No. Now, I can understand if, like, Christina, like, went all, you know, got turned into the Incredible Hulk and, like, started, like, pursuing them again. It's like, but having a, a child murder her, murder a helpless person in cold blood is just, no. And before anybody brings up Arya Stark, Game of Thrones and this show are two completely different fucking shows. Absolutely. Okay. When, um, Westeros is a much more violent world than this one. <laughs> Westeros does not have police. <laughs> Westeros is that kind of world where, you know, kids get kidnapped, raped, murdered, left and right, nobody says anything. And you gotta be a hard person just to survive. Game of Thrones has 10 year winters where cannibalism is probably how you're gonna survive it. Mm -hmm. It's a much more brutal world. And this, yes, racism really fucking sucks. But putting a black child in a position of cold-blooded murder and then cheering it on, like, and then calling her the Terminator or some stupid shit like that. First of all, the Terminator is not a person. A Terminator is a robot programmed to carry out uh, murder. You know, not even, it's not even murder because they don't have the capacity to choose otherwise. I mean, did y'all even watch the damn movie? Terminator. That, that's why it's scary. It's a robot that kills people. It has no mm -hmm. conscience, no fear, no nothing. And we've seen from the show that Dee's defining tra trait was her art. And having that taken from her was devastating. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, her art is what allowed her to, sur to survive at this point, if you really think about it. Because if she hadn't drawn those pictures, nobody, Christina wouldn't have been able to do shit. She wouldn't have been able to figure out what was done to her. So, you know, because you know, like she couldn't verbalize it. 
like like some kinds of trauma where like you can't verbalize the trauma. So you, what do you do? You get it out some other way. And her way was art. And you know, truth be told, art is kind of the closest thing we have to magic in this world. Mm-hmm. And this show trivialized that. It really did. It turned her art from something that was like this amazing force for like creativity and imagination and you know uh <clears throat> and whatnot just into some hobby that D really liked to do. And as an artist, I, I can't I can't abide that. I, I really can't. And just like um and it's like the show itself has, has been very confused about what magic is. Is magic just like like what Christina said, just another way of bending the world to your will? Or is it like like a co-creative thing where it, it where using it is in a way almost an act of creation, almost god an almost godlike act of creation. If it's just another way to control the world and control people. You know, that's not very interesting to me. I've seen magic used that way. I, I mean, I play D&D. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that much better than D&D. But, like, but if it's a co-creative act, you know, where you, like, you're not just uh, doing, you know, where you're not just influencing, whatever, but you're kind of creating it anew in a slightly, you know, in a kind of a way, then, yeah, art is important, you know? I mean, it's a book of names, not a book of, you know, ingredients. <laughs> it's, it's not a book of, um, it's like the act of, and, and this is actually very Jewish, and I'm going to tell I don't have to talk about the Christian normativity of this whole show and how I want to stab people in the eyeballs, taking Jewish stuff and mess, messing it up. But the, but, but these art was, was so integral to who she was as a character. Like Hippolyta becomes Orinthia Blue, the comic she drew. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a way, so we see art predict the future. We see art, you know, reveal secrets. We've seen her art, you know, create new possibilities. And so it's so, it, it really sticks in my craw. It really does. Where it's like, we're killing this white woman. It's like, Really, that's that's how we get free. This is how we liberate ourselves, just by killing our oppressors, you know, or or doing that flip the script shit, where we just use the, you know, and I look like I said in my other podcast, I'm a dove, not a doormat. I don't think that we should roll over and let people beat us and kill us. Mm-hmm. But if there's no immediate threat, I'm not gonna chase nobody down to kill them. So like. So that's the that's the most you can imagine, just choking this helpless white woman out. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, but she had a pet chuckle. That was cute. Yeah. yeah. That was very cute. Oh my god, look, the child's got a pet chuggoth. What are we gonna do with the child with a pet chuggoth now? Because chuggoths are pets now. No, thank you. That is something about this show as well, I have to say that. I did not like, and it is the fact that it doesn't use an awful lot of the Lovecraftian, purely Lovecraftian traits, and completely does without them. You know, <laughs> the, the insanity. We saw the prize of witnessing magic at the very beginning, 
And then Gollum starts telling, oh, there you go. I am immune now. Nothing wrong here. Nothing to see. I am okay. Absolutely fine. No psychological consequences of me seeing this supernatural, completely unexplainable, impossible to process processes in my mind. No, 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 no. no. It's absolutely fine. Totally fine. No problem. What? what? Uh, excuse me? It's like, um... In the beginning, y'all, you know, they got amnesia when they saw one. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And now they're, you know, resurrecting people, red, life, first and center, because you know, that's what we have to do, and that's what we have to do, and that's it, it doesn't matter, it's okay, nothing matters. Why? You know, there is one thing that is universally accepted, and in Lovecraft's lore, you know, that's that's how it goes, and it's that magic comes with a price. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, they didn't pay any price to do all those magic stuff. They did that. I'm sorry. They they just they just did that. You know, you you go into any kind of magical tradition. You go into paganism. You go into shamanism. You go into anything, anything at all, and magic comes with a price. Them, no, no price, nothing at all. It became very, very D esque. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Not happy about that at all. It's like. And then it's sort of like the, even not even taking the Lovecraft part. It's like okay, so what? Why is it that like Christina had to study magic for years to be able to do what she could do, and then at the end, these people who literally okay, look, let, let, I'll I'll explain it in D and D terms so y'all would get this. How would you have first level wizards? <laughs> Pulling off shit that's difficult for 10th level wizards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, do, and doing it right. No mistakes, no yeah. nothing. No mistakes, no nothing. After it was you know, established that like the smallest mistake can really screw, screw things up. And, it, it, and it's sort of like, okay, because we've seen like Baby Shark, you know, okay, we've seen the cow even Berto Shaga, whatever, where it's like, we've seen what happens when you make a mistake, like, Artem is in ruins because somebody didn't really make a mistake, but it's like somebody sabotaged the spell. And they're like, yeah, yeah the, a whole... A, <laughs> a whole, whole state, state blew up. There's a crater because of that. <laughs> and it's like, and y'all just learn it, and it's like, y'all just get it perfect, right, perfect, the first time, nobody explains this. And it's just like, um... Say what? Yeah. <laughs> they, they improvised. My God, they improvised. No, no, <laughs> you don't improvise something like that. You no. don't just, oh, wait a second. Um, this is, didn't work the way we wanted. So, um, um, you know what? If they really wanted to kill Christina, they should have just shown them doing that to Christina. She would have had a heart attack and died. Yes. <laughs> she would have had a heart attack and died. Like, but you can't do that. I, like, poor woman would be tearing that pretty blonde hair out of her head. It's like, you can't just make shit up. It just, oh, uh, she just keel over dead. Yes. <laughs> you don't need the D to kill her. She just keel over dead because of the stress of watching them bundle their way through this. Correct. <laughs> now I'm going to frivolize this a little bit. We frivolize. Does that word even exist? What? Frivolize. I'm going to say something very frivolous about the show that I really liked. Okay. As, as in really, I was 
oh my god that is incredible Christina's ritual dress <laughs> yes her her bride of doom dress oh my god isn't that exquisite isn't that exactly the kind yeah. of thing that you dress for the most incredibly complicated ritual you would ever perform in your life wow <laughs> We stand a person who shows up properly dressed for the occasion. It's like, yeah, if you're going to have a ritual where you become immortal, you choose your outfit carefully. It's like, wow. Hmm. No, I, I mean, want... don't get me wrong. Christina throughout, I mean, pretty much everybody throughout the show, it's incredibly stylish. Loved it. Really <laughs> loved it. But that dress, oh my God. I mean, I am a man like anything, but I would go out in the street wearing that if I had that figure, of course. That is amazing. God, that was beautiful. This is the one thing about that episode. And I'm sorry to, you know, I'm, I'm trivializing this, but I'm not kidding. That is the only thing about that episode that wowed me out of my chair. That was incredible. It's like, wow, she's like at the white dress and the moon is full. It's like in the whole effect. <laughs> She really thought about this. Oh. <laughs> really thought about this. Like she didn't just like oh just put anything on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thought about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to wear something that I don't <laughs> know who's made. But wow. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, that that was a silly thing to say. But um, yeah, I love that dress. <laughs> the whole thing was so. Oh my god! Come on. <laughs> Perfectly great, baby. That's that's how you do. That's how you get dressed. Well, your plan is about to happen. It's like, that's yes. how you dress when you know you're going to become immortal. <laughs> but yeah, it would you come up. I guess now I'm like at this point where I could talk about my podcast for a little bit. So I hope you got to listen to them. <laughs> I, have, I have to listen to it, yes. I, was like, I know I was like saying a lot of ums and was, and I probably sounded so terrible. Um, but yeah, did anything surprise you or inspire you or make you go, hmm, <laughs> listen? I don't know. What, what do you think is going to happen to the series now? I mean, because I'm, I'm sure that I, I, my bet is that there's going to be another season. I don't even know. It's like, where did it go from here? <laughs> it's like, it's sort of like Once Upon a Time when they broke the curse. It's like, I knew ABC's Once Upon a Time was going to get more seasons, but like, when they broke the curse and at the end of what now? <laughs> oh, then magic comes back and it's like, oh, okay. So they break the curse and there's magic. But what if they broke the curse and there was still no magic? Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And, and then they admitted that they broke the curse too early, like years and years down the line. But um, I was like, where do we go from here? My favorite characters are dead <laughs> or no longer in the picture. So. And I was rooting for this one fem slash ship that we got. Um, so I don't know. It's like, what is there to keep watching for? <laughs> Nobody has, only one group of people has magic. And mm. what? <laughs> well, uh, but, but I want to say, one group of people, that's the thing that they leave it very undefined. We've taken magic away from white people. So wait a second, does that mean that Latin people are going to have it? Does that mean that, you know, people lost in some sort of, you know, minute little congregation in Polynesia 
know, they're going to be are going to have it. I mean, what, what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I can see though. I can see Disney lashing onto this and having D and the Shoggoth kind of series, where you know there is this this little girl in the Shoggoth going to school and and saving the school from bad teachers or what have you. I can see that. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, there there might be some direction the show could go in if if we take the finale as the conclusion of that story arc. It's like. After that, I, and I can see a couple of ways this can happen. All right, first is that they restart the anthology, but on a different version of Earth. Mm-hmm. They have magic and the multiverse machine. This could be a different version of Earth. It all starts again in a different way. Okay, I'd be down for that. Bring back all the actors and everything, and, and, and this time make it even gayer. <laughs> um, yes. Make it even gayer. <laughs> and then the there's another way where, like, okay, well, you sealed off all the magic from white people. Now, because of their, because of this really shitty plan of theirs to seal off all the magic from white people, what about, like, those really ancient, like, spells and wars that were, like, protecting the world from ancient evils and whatnot? Like, Okay, this is the language of Adam we're talking about here. Like, do you, do you know what, like, like, dear listener, I mean, there's a whole epoch of monsters and shit that's right there, that they talk about right there in the Bible, where monsters walk the earth, and that's why God had to do the flood and all that. So, in light of that aspect, um, like, what could they be unleashing on the world by sealing magic from Unfortunately, the people whose ancestors were also fighting against these monsters or whatever. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, there was a time before racism, you know. So, so like, you know, those ancient druidic magics or those ancient Nordic magics and stuff like that. Like, like what happens when, like, the giants rise? <laughs> What's yes. going to happen? You know, or, or like, oh, you know those vampires that were sleeping for a few millennia? Yeah, they're awake now. Um, so what happens? Then, um, so that could be like an interesting direction to go in. The so it's, and then they have to like, <laughs> and this, this is my, my personal thing that I love, but I'd be tickled to death if they actually did this. Um, they have to bring Christina back, <laughs> and Christina's not going to do this for free, so she's going to be like, okay, I want magic and Ruby, <laughs> and then, so then they have to work with her. To kind of um, put the world to right, so to speak. <laughs> okay, so we gotta get send the vampires and all the giants and all that stuff back to sleep. Okay, I I'm I'm going to make a prediction based on how they have developed the story at the end. Mm-hmm. This is what I think is going to happen. It's going to happen that Ruby is not dead. Mm-hmm. She arrives at the ritual soon after because she's managed to get free from uh, the stasis in which Christina put her into to be able to take on her shape. Mm-hmm. It's going to res- rescue Christina and resurrect her because, you know, she has magic. She's meant to be able to do these things because, you know, d And then they are going to do whatever they have to do to recover... Um, 
magic for white folk. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the whole season. And, and Tiki is also going to be alive. <laughs> be because, you know, you know, oh, I'm going to resurrect both of them. Oh, poor Tiki, she should be dead. Oh, no, 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 so I'm going to you. Um, let's say, oh, because of course we need the blood of Tick to do something else later on, because what else is he good for? He, not because he has the blood of the ancestors. He's <laughs> just a blood sack, poor guy. <laughs> At the end, that's why he became. No, I'm just going to be the bait, and he's going to be cut open. I'm going to have more blood than any human has ever possibly had inside, you know. I'm just a conduit to the plane of blood. Look at me, look at me, you know, spilling blood all over the place. What? <laughs> Yeah, and the Jesus stuff was a little much. <laughs> oh, Jesus stuff was a little much. Oh. <laughs> no, he's not black Jesus, okay? <laughs> I, no. Thank Stop. you for saying that. I didn't want to say that, but thank you for saying that because that one, I thought it was a bit, oh my goodness, come on. Come <laughs> bloody on. No, what kills me is that, okay, he gets baptized, but he doesn't marry Letty. <laughs> Okay, let me get this straight. Okay, you baptize now and save, but like, uh, you're not gonna offer your unborn child legal protections. <laughs> like, you're gonna have your unborn child be known to be born out of wedlock. Like, mm -hmm. when you clearly love, when y'all clearly love each other, and you know, even if you get divorced right away, like, it's just like half the, you know, like. They act like, it's like, yeah, um, there were single mothers in the 50s, but there was a stigma about that. Oh, yeah, and they didn't have it easy. Yeah, there was a stigma about that. So you're going to have Letty living with this stigma the rest of her life, but then your kid's going to live with the stigma, too. <laughs> I'd at least do a Vegas wedding or something. <laughs> hey, the show is being very progressive because the, great, the gay grandpa is good, isn't he? But he hasn't stopped drinking. <laughs> no, oh come on! He, he can do that just like that. That he can do that right away. He's he a barely stopped beating tick. I mean, he barely stopped beating tick, and that's only because tick got big and can hit back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she said, "It's the only reason." It's like, and, and Montrose is one of my faves because he's like, because like again, like you, I had a complicated relationship with my dad, and it was like. My dad was never that bad to me, but like again, our relationship was complicated. Yet, it, you know, it was like, and the, the actor bears a strong resemblance to my father just physically. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, um, Dick, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, well, you have a second chance to be a father, you know. I, Look, I understand you're trying to be all hopeful and forgiving and shit, but this is your 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 child's life, <laughs> okay? I don't want maybe he'll do better this time around. That's not enough for no, me. Not enough, no. <laughs> like, no, no, for me, definitely not. But, so anyway, to to wrap it up because we've been at it for an hour and ten minutes, and to be perfectly honest, I have a husband who is incredibly hungry asking me for food um, because, you know, I'm kind of the provider of food because I'm, I'm the, the proper cook. Um, let, let, let's wrap it up with, with some of our conclusions on 
on the show. Uh, on a scale of zero to ten, and by the way, we can have as many episodes about this as you wish because I'm loving talking about this. <laughs> we can do a whole series and a one by one episode. You know, let's analyze episode number one, episode number two, and people will get really sick of us. But that's fine. I'm yeah. happy with that. So uh, overall, on, on a zero to ten, uh, how how you rate uh, Lovecraft Country? Uh, Kumquat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really think of things in, the, in a scale like that because, you know, it's like, because the way we've been critiquing it and getting so in-depth with it, it's like, because I can't, I can't do that because it's like certain things about the show are really awesome, but then certain things will be deal breakers for people, regardless of how awesome everything else is. So it's like, okay. With, but I will, I will try to play along and say, if, Without the deal breakers, I'd say it's about a seven, seven point five. Okay. It's strong. It's got it's got strong elements, but then that finale and and the missteps it takes are like I'm really serious. So so I put that in there. Yes, I, I'm, I was going to say six, six. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. because that that finale. I found it incredibly disappointing. I, I really, I really, you know, come on. It, Ruby deserved better. Take this earth. No, take this earth that. Um, uh, Mon- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Christina deserved way better. You know, the, the show is just, uh, it ends up being very, very messy and treating characters in the way that they shouldn't be treated. You know, Hippolyta was by far the most powerful member of that family in any specs and respects and mm-hmm. it's that she doesn't stop being a second character who's there being able to do all these things but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we missed an awful lot so now I'm, I'm going to say 6.5 for me um, i hope they do another season mm-hmm. um, I would be very happy to rewatch some of the episodes, <laughs> mm. but I am not going to rush to rewatch the whole series again. That's fair. Uh, I, I, I admit I primarily watch it through sugar, shipper goggles, but um, but yeah, like the um, I think a six six point five is actually fair if, if I'm being. Like, if I'm not grading on a curve where it's like, okay, well, what did it try to do? <laughs> what, did it, what did it reach for? Like, it's an ambitious show. Mm. It's an ambitious show. Um, and it's sort of like, it's, so I have to give it credit. I feel like I have to give it credit for being, and for the grandness of its vision. At the same time, though, there is such a thing called execution. Yes. <laughs> and there's that. So it's yeah. like, and, and this is not me saying, oh, go easy on the black show. No, this is not me mm-hmm. saying that. This is not me saying that. Like, um, but I'm saying, like, <clears throat> it, it's doing quite a bit that hasn't, that hasn't become, that haven't, uh, I don't know what I'm, I'm just talking all messed up here. It's trying to do a lot that hasn't been done for black people before. And, like I mentioned earlier, it's like two steps forward, one step back a lot of times. Mm. But but we don't get stuff like this on the regular for black people. No. And 
that's where I get the show the majority of its credit. It's like the execution, meh, meh. The actors, the actors and the set design, the costumes and stuff. That that's them. Yes, they're they're the MVPs. But the writing and stuff, uh, it's a little shaky. It, it's yeah. hit or miss. It's hit or miss. That's that's yeah. that's the best way to describe it. De- definitely, definitely. I, I love how daring it was, how how raw, how brutal, how gritty it was in places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the mistakes are a bit too glaring to to give them up to give them a, to give them a pass. Right. They, mm, too too many mistakes. Yeah, it's like it's it's not masterpiece material, but. Could have been though. Ah, it could have been. Like it's not masterpiece material, but it's almost. It's like I don't even think it's almost master. It's like it could have been. It it had all the ingredients for the masterpiece material, but it, it didn't quite get there. And I think, and, and if I'm going to be honest, I think a lot of it has to do with Misha Green being a kind of green at show running. Um. And also, um, it's like the same thing with Game of Thrones. It's like once, once the show ran out of book material, you notice a distinct difference in quality. Yes. Um, because the, the guys in, like, Wineoff and Weiss had never done a show before. So, so they were even less qualified to do Game of Thrones than Misha Green was to do Lovecraft Country. So... So, you know, and I'm not saying cut the cut, cut Lovecraft Country some slack on that alone. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that, like, you see the newbie mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's there. These are newbie mistakes. And, and you're sort of like, okay, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to make this really ambitious. You know, it, it, like, I, like it's, it's a very daring show. It's very ambitious. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there's also like, you also have to have the basics down. And, and I'm not sure, like, like I said, I'm not sure what went wrong with some of this stuff because they, they were so careful about the character work up until that finale. And I'm like, what the hell? So, so I'm thinking like, this might be some behind the scenes shenanigans, I don't know, but it's like something went wrong because Tonally and narratively, it's so out of whack. Yeah. Um, but like, like I said, it's like that seems like a newbie showrunner kind of thing. Who knows? Maybe they will listen to this podcast and answer us. I don't know. Oh, who knows? That, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. You know, if we had the producer, you know, JJ Abrams coming to the call. Oh, hi, Paco. I just wanted to explain to you what fucked up this thing. <laughs> or me getting a call from Jordan Peele of all people. I was like, I probably wouldn't even answer the phone. Like says Jordan Peele, yeah, right. I'm not gonna pick that up. That's a solicitor. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tag a bunch of folk in Twitter and see what happens. You know, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> just gonna think, oh, another two geeks talking about this shit. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But, so overall, enjoyed it. Um, there are pieces for me. There are lots of with my shipper goggles on. There's a lot to rewatch. But again, that's admittedly me with my shipper goggles on. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 
Right. Okay. Let, let's finish it here, um, and um, let's let's talk about let's let's come back to talking about role playing games uh, next show. Yes. We have loads, 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 loads of things to talk about. Assuming, assuming that there is a normal world going on after uh, yeah. this this day when we are recording this on the 4th of November. Uh, for those of you still alive and with any knowledge of history, you will know exactly the significance of this day. Um, if you don't, uh, find out, because, um, yeah, <laughs> today is not a normal day. <laughs> but yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Yes. Uh, if, um, well, if you want to uh, get hold of us, by all means, uh, I am at GMS Magazine on Twitter, podcast at gmsmagazine.com. Check on our Facebook website and Sean, you are on Twitter as well. Yeah, and I'm not going to give it to you. You go get in touch with Paco and Paco will probably tag me in something. I will indeed. My, my, my Twitter, my Twitter. My Twitter uh, barriers are very strong. It's <laughs> not is nothing personal, dear listener. But it's like there's a little too much chaos in my mentions, so I just said, you know what, screw it. And I like put some seriously high privacy settings on it. <laughs> fair enough. Hey, no, you know, that's fair enough. Plenty of people are doing that, and I understand completely. So that that's good. Cool. So anyway, people. Humans and the absolutely gorgeously cute Shogoth in Lovecraft Country that is gallivanting around the world with that little girl with the cybernetic arm. Uh, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> bye bye. You, you can tell that's traumatized me, don't you? <laughs> <laughs>